following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So this morning, as, as we read the book of John, we're coming to this section that talks about children of God. Now, one of my privileges as a pastor is I get to do premarital counseling, especially if I'm doing counseling for, or if I'm performing a wedding, then it's a requirement that I do your premarital counseling. Or if there's some kind of, you know, I'm related to you in some way, usually I say, get someone else to do the counseling. Just tell me who it is. But it's my, it's been a lot of fun to do that. I, I, we do it over dinner a lot of times. We sit down, we talk. Sometimes it's over Zoom, depending. And I've found since I've been a pastor, I've ended up doing about three to four weddings a year. And so I'm starting to like, premarital counseling is one of those things I keep building up, you know, my repertoire of what we do. But one of the weeks, one of the things we talk about every time is what we call family of origin. So as couples are getting ready to get married, one of the important things that we want to talk about is to say, where do you come from? What are those places that you have grown together? Some of that family of origin stuff is good. It says, hey, this is how um, you know, we celebrate these things. This is the understanding of, of what our house looks like and what we do. Some of it is negative. You could have the best family in the whole world and there's still going to be moments that you pick up bad habits from your family. So the, the cornerstone of my family of origin are my parents, Al and Mary. And so um, they're great. They're phenomenal. I have loved growing up under them. I have loved what that family of origin has given me. But when I married Chelsea, I married into a new family of origin. We had to figure out how we meshed together. We had to figure out how that worked. And let me tell you, my secondary family of origin, just as great. Our text thread yesterday was my father-in-law, Paul, sending us pictures saying, here's the turkey for Thanksgiving, because he got one with his bow yesterday while he was out hunting. It was great. We live 10 minutes from my in-laws. When that storm rolled through last February, it was about 48 hours in of being cold and knowing that mom and dad Urban had power that we said, we're driving the ice. And it was great because we ate like just incredible comfort food for the next three days. It was phenomenal. Family of origin gives us pieces of who we are. But as I counsel couples, it's looking and saying, how do you bring those two families of origin together into a new place? How do you take those two things and mesh them together? Today in our reading, we have this idea of being children of God. That even as John writes, he says, listen, children. And he's not like writing, this isn't like John writing, you know, a, um, a kid's message, right? No, he's writing to the church and he's saying, listen, children. So that includes all of us. 
And what he's saying is he's saying, listen, this is what it means for you to be in the family. Because our original family of origin is not a great one. Where we come from as people is from a family of origin of humanity. Where our humanity calls us towards what's quick, what's easy, and what feels good. That as we are born into this world, our known behavior is what do I need? How do I get for me? Parents, you know this. Kids are an incredible blessing. But even before you can communicate with them, children are saying, well, my needs are ahead of your needs, parent. Sleep, you don't need that. I need to eat. It is something inherent in us that as we are born into a world, our family of origin as humanity is broken. And so as John writes, he understands that. And he writes and he says, listen, this is, this is what it means. This is your new family of origin. That when you are brought into the family, things change a little bit. So let's look through this passage that we have here. So one thing that jumped out to me as I, as I was going through that in verse one, John writes and says, I write these things so that you may not sin. So this, uh, this piece from verse one of John two here, first John two, he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And I love my little children. Like, I believe at some point he's like talking down to them to be like, listen, pay attention. Like, you think you're special? You're not. My little children, I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. He'll go on in the next couple of verses to talk about how sin is not a part of your new family. It may be part of your family of origin, but that's not part of your new family. But he writes this, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, if you let me get a little nerdy here and dive into the Greek, which you don't have a choice, I'm going to do it. But the Greek here, when it says, but if anyone does sin, that if is a conjunction, it's aeon. And as you look at that, the way it works is it is a proposition. It's a, um, I wrote it down because I knew I was going to forget it. It's permissive. It's saying provided. So if provided, someone sins. You see, it's easy for us to read that first verse and to start and go, okay, part of the family is don't sin. Okay, so if I sin, then I can't be part of the family. But John goes, no, no, listen. Don't sin, but provided if you do, you have an advocate 
before the Father, who is Jesus Christ. And then he spends a couple, of cha- or a couple of verses saying, this is what Jesus does. We get that big word propitiation, which is a fancy way of saying he has given it all. He was the sacrifice. So that as we look at being in the family, being in the family is that we are not taking away the idea of saying, listen, you don't sin. We don't seek that out here. We don't seek to disobey God. But if you do, and this is not in the Greek, but this is what I would call the Teddy D version. So, but when you do, we have an advocate before the Father. You see, in this family, we didn't make a decision to join it. We have an advocate before the Father who has come and been that salvation which we need. He has stood in front that when we deserved the discipline, he took it. So as children of God, we no longer seek out our sinful ways. But when we fall to those sinful ways, we know who has us. As we read through these verses, that theme of light and love jumps out again. That John will go back and forth talking about the light and the darkness and those who are in it and those who are out of it. So I want to talk about how are we children of God and how do these ideas of light and love play into that? So let's start with light. As we go through these verses today, we saw that there are those who are in the dark, there are those who are in the light. And he explains what the signifiers are of that. And as we read this chapter and try to understand it and say, okay, being a part of the family means I don't sin anymore. But if I do, I have Jesus on my side. Well, how do I, how do I work through that? Our number one way of understanding the Bible is we say scripture interprets scripture. So as we read this section, we remember back to chapter one, where John will say um, what we confess every week. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in us. So as we read about the light and the dark, what we remember is that This is about understanding and seeing our sin. Because what John will write here in chapter 2 is he'll say, listen, if, if you don't love your brother or sister, just look at that as fellow human. If you don't have love in your heart for them, then you're in the dark. flip that around. Okay, if you have love in your heart for your brother or sister, then you're in the light. Jesus will talk about this when he talks about the Ten Commandments. When he says, yeah, you've heard it said you shall not murder, but I tell you that anyone who hates his brother or sister in in his heart has committed murder. You see, Jesus takes it out to the conclusion. He's talking about the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. 
And this extends to all aspects of our life. That as we look at light and dark, we say, okay, we know John writes here and says, if you have hate in your heart for someone else, that's not of the light, that is of the dark. Now, this could be someone you know and you are close to. Someone you work with, someone in your family, someone who was a friend, whoever it is. It could be that person that you just do not like. And the Bible says if you have hate in your heart for them, then you are in the dark. But this could also be the faceless people. What do I mean when I say faceless people? Let me tell you, it's October, which means most of my nights and some of my afternoons are spent watching Astros baseball. And there are people on that other team that they get up and there is not love in my heart. Listen, you run your mouth against the Astros, I'm going to have an issue with you. It's foolish. I shouldn't. I don't know you. But here we are. I've had to catch myself a couple times going, wow, what is happening in my heart that I'm thinking this way? This is baseball. There's nothing. But how often do we take that and someone who is faceless, someone who we don't have a connection with, they're far off and we villainize them. We have hate in our hearts. This is basically the entirety of Facebook now. How do I hate someone who's not like me? How do I have the argument that destroys that person? I don't even know them. I don't care. I'm right. There's this great um, song by Johnny Cash. It's on one of his later albums. It is beautifully entitled, God's Gonna Cut You Down. It's, it's hilarious because it like is actually a very gospel-based song that sounds very horrible. Um, but as it goes on, it's you can run on for a long time, you can run on for a long time. Sooner or later, God will cut you down. But in that, there's a line where he says, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. You see, the dark places are the places we hide and stuff our sinfulness, hoping that God may not see it, right? It's those places that, whether it's someone we know or it's a faceless someone, we take that, we justify it, we say, this is why I don't like them, and we take it and we tuck it in a corner, hoping that when God comes looking, he's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't see that, right? Like, no, what we understand is if we are in the light, then all of us is in the light, that if we are children of God and we are told do not sin, being a part of this family is we don't sin. And so if that's a part of it, well, then how don't we sin? Well, the way we don't sin is we remember that when we do, we have an advocate before us. Well, how does the advocate come and defend us? We come to him and we say, here's my darkness. Shine the light. We come and we don't hide those things. We don't say, I'm going to tuck this in a corner. We come and we confess. Why is it important for us to confess? 
The Bible will even say, confess one to another. Physically say it. Because we take our darkness and we say, Lord, let the light shine here. Now it's more nuanced than that in real life because there are, this is a broken world. This is a world filled with darkness. There will be hurt. There is abuse. There is attack. What I'm not saying is you come and you say, well, I don't like that person because they have legitimately abused me, attacked me, don't like me. There's a lot of working through how that works out. But if you take a hatred bottled up around that and you hold it, that leads to more darkness spreading. It doesn't mean you have to go and seek out that person. But it means you say, Lord, I can't carry this. This hurt that's been done to me, this brokenness that has come into my life, I don't know how to handle it. I don't want to shove it into the darkness. I want it to be in your light. We as Christians have a lot of things we believe. We have a lot of things that God's called us to. But over the past five years, in our culture in this country, whether it is a right-leaning faith, whether it is a left-leaning faith, across the board, we have seen people who have used faith to abuse and attack others. And it's across the board. Now, this breaks my heart, but it doesn't surprise me. Because if what we try and do is put on a good face, if we step out as Christians and we say, listen, everything's right, everything's perfect, everything's positive, what we're doing is we're taking some darkness and trying to shove it into a corner. We should be the most realistic people on the face of this planet. And we should say, listen, every day, I'm having to come to the Lord and say, listen, there are these places in my life that I need your light. I don't want you to look there. I don't want you to see there. But I'm going to trust that as a child of God, that you have covered my sin with the advocate. That when I became a part of this family, that you said shining the light would change who I am, that I could find love for my brother and my sister because I've brought to you the darkness that's in my life, that I could learn how to love others better because I see the way you love me, that being in this family, being a little child in the family of God is about growing in that understanding. It's about saying we don't have it perfect. But we walk 
in the light as he is in the light. And what the light does is it extenuates the light, right? Like when you turn on a light and then turn on another light, it just makes things brighter. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, it says we'll shine like the stars in the heavens. It is hard to come before the Lord and say, Lord, shine your light into the places where darkness exists. Shine your light into the places that I am fearful of. But we do that because we trust in the second part. That this is a God of light and of love. That he doesn't come just to shine the light so that people can look and say, Look at how bad that person is, right? Wow, look at Ted. He doesn't have it together. Glad God showed us that. No, being in the light is about saying, Lord, I don't have it together. But it's because of the second half, which says, but you still loved me. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know we have come to him if we keep his commandments. The love of the Father of sending Jesus for us to bring us back into the family. It doesn't just shine a light on us. It doesn't just bring us back, but it says there is forgiveness that that darkness is wiped away. That when the light turns on, the darkness is gone. And so he loves us so deeply that he sends Jesus, that that light does not just shine to make us look like fools, but it shines to say, because my love is enough to take care of your darkness. That being children of God means we live in that light, that God is shining on us, that he's getting rid of the darkness, that we're bringing that darkness before him and he is wiping it away because of the love that Jesus has for us. And then how do we know if we are in him, if we keep his commandments? So that love he gives us says, listen, and now you're invited to keep my commandments. Well, what are the commandments? So glad you asked. There are two great commandments, which sum everything else up. Love God, love others. My hope is that someday in 10 years, you come to this church and we go, listen, there's a lot of things going on. Love God, love others. Like that's it. We can talk about the specifics of it. We can talk about how that works in everyday life, but that's it. It is simple. Love God, love others. We'll know we're in him if we are keeping his commandments. That love he has for us, he says, can be displayed by keeping his commandments, that we are loved, so then we too go out and love. 
Okay, so what happens if we're not showing that love, right? If we're not keeping his commandments? Again, you guys are asking great questions today. If we're not keeping those commandments, if we're not following him the way he has called us to, the response is not to go, I must not be in the family. Listen, if my parents looked at me every time I screwed up and said, you're going to have to earn your way back into this family. Probably wouldn't be here today. There's a point in high school, I've heard the legend tell, where my mom walked into their room, shut the door, looked at my dad and goes, he's your son now. Because I could talk my mom out of anything. You see, the way God has it set up is that if you fail, you're not out of the family. If you're not loving people, if you're not keeping the commandments, it's not about going, oh, woe is me. I've fallen away. I can never come back. God doesn't love me. No, it goes, okay, if I'm not keeping the commandments, that's my wake-up call to go, Lord, I've lost my way. I've got to come back to you. I'm part of the family. I come back to dad. I go, I screwed that up. I have spent two years in prayer to the Lord going, Lord, I think I screwed that up. Because this whole pandemic thing, let me tell you what you don't take at seminary, pandemic 101. There's no, this is how you run a church in a pandemic. It would be nice, but there's not. And there were so many times where I'm going, Lord, is this my own fear? Is this, you know, is this the right decision? Is this where we're going? And if it hadn't been for being a part of the family where the Lord said, listen, your identity is the family. And if you mess up, come back. Remember, you're in the family. Failure is a part of life, but the love of God is so great that when we look around and say, if I'm not keeping the commandments... I don't question my identity. I question where I need to go. And the answer is always back to Jesus. He is the light. And that's just the life of a child of God. There will be days you get it right where you follow the Lord, where you love everyone around you, where you feel the spirit working and then you get in bed and go, oh, but I hate that person. And you go, no, I almost had it. The perfect day of loving my neighbors. I was so close. Jesus didn't come to die for you because you were perfect. He came to die for you because he knew the family of origin. Because the truth is your deepest roots are as created beings by God. And the brokenness of the family of origin, the Lord says, listen, I want to bring you back to my family, which is your true family of origin. I want you to learn my ways because children of God is who you're designed to be. Our life after being brought into the family through the waters of baptism is not about having it perfect. It's about learning daily what is light, what is dark, how do we keep 
the commandments. But doing that doesn't earn us the family. The family was given to us. The family is brought by the advocate because of his propitiation. God provided not if we might sin, but when we sin, he provided Jesus for us. That as we look at these ideas of light and love and being children of God, it's about saying, Lord, shine your light into those places of my life. I would encourage you, if you have brother or sister in Christ, if you have um, someone like that in your life who you live faith with, to talk about what it would look like to do confession and absolution together. Listen, as, as your pastor in this place, I will do private confession and absolution with you. Let's get it on the calendar. There's something about sitting down and speaking out and saying, these are the ways I've walked in darkness. Because then the light comes flooding in. That Jesus came for those sins. And you are forgiven. We do it together every week. It's part of our liturgy, our work together. Liturgy is just the fancy term of the work of the people. So weekly, our work together here is we come and confess and receive absolution because we want the light to reign in our life. We grow in following him when we say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of grace. You want to know the quickest way to run away from the Lord? Look at him and go, don't worry, I've got it together. You go help those other people. And I say that because I have good experience in it. The Lord calls us and shines a light because he loves us deeply. Because he doesn't want us walking in darkness. He doesn't want us walking in those ways. He wants us to be in the family, living in the light. From our reading today, we know if we hold hate for someone else in our heart that is holding on to sinfulness, that is holding on to those things. And as we close today, let me give you two ways to pray about that. If you look and you say, there's hate for someone in my heart, and you know the reason and it's a bad reason, the prayer is, Lord, fix me. Right? Lord, shine your light. Heal me. Whether it's someone who's in proximity or someone who's faceless, Lord, fix me. Now, if you look at someone and they have done you harm, what I'm not encouraging you to do is to go out and say, listen, you, you've harmed me, you keep harming me, but I'm going to keep being here because that's, you know, I'm supposed to, to love you. Our God is a God of justice as well as love. And I think one of the ways we release hate for other people is by praying the Lord's justice. We say, Lord, I have been deeply hurt by this person. Whether they be in proximity or they be faceless, there has been hurt in my life. 
So I pray that your justice would be done. That you work to let go of that hate. And it's a different kind of love. It's a love that says, I don't have to be the one to feel those feelings. Because Lord, I trust your justice. This is what God's people have done throughout time. David writes it into the Psalms. It's in the book of Lamentations. It's throughout Scripture. That if there are people that we know there's a reason we dislike them and it's not a good one, it's just we're angry, well, that's on us. Let the light shine on us. But if it's someone who is hurt, who has caused brokenness, who keeps attacking, who is someone who is working in, I mean, the simplest way we could say is working evil, well, then you pray and say, Lord, I want to see your justice done and I want to let go of this hate. Because we are children of God and he calls us to walk in the light because of the love he has given us through his son. Let's pray. Lord, let us walk in your light. Let us be your children over and over and over again. Remind us that we have an advocate, that Jesus has come for us, that we bring things to the light to give them to you, that we allow you into those places in our lives because you are already there, but we ask your light to shine. That what we have done in the dark to try and hide from you would be brought to the light, not for punishment, not for anger, but for forgiveness. That Jesus, who is the propitiation for our darkness, would shine in those places. And Lord, teach us to love how you have loved. Teach us to keep your commandments, to love you and love others because of your deep love for us. Lord, in this family, as we are the little children of God, may we rejoice that that is our identity. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.